All right, we finished series on prophecy. Today we start a new series called Living by Faith. Living by Faith. I want to work with you. I'm going to talk with you. Um, I want you to read with me just part of a verse, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. And it says this. Now the just shall what? Live by faith. The just shall live by faith. I'm going to make you mad right off the bat. Normally I wait a little bit and soften you up and make you mad right off the bat. I know very few Christians who live by faith. Every Christian has faith. You have to have faith to be a believer. And the Bible says God has given to every believer a measure of faith. But I've met very few Christians that live by faith. I've met very few preachers that live by faith. Dear ones, we, we, we got to make the transition. And I declare in the name of Jesus, you will live by faith. Amen. I say that by faith. By the way, that song those girls sang, that's one of the greatest faith songs ever written. I am who you say I am, not what I feel. And uh, we sang another one. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't, that's what faith says. And we, wanna, we don't want to just have faith. We, we want to live by faith. Uh, we got a transition. So we're going to talk for a few weeks about this and I'm going to help you and you're going to get it. To become an American Christian, it don't take much faith. Just, you know, pray a prayer, go to church, give a little money, try not to hurt anybody. Welcome to American Christianity. Yeah or nay? All right, you, by the way, you can talk back. This is North Carolina. And um, the deal is, but you, the Jesus in this Bible, he never asked anybody, would you go to church and quit cussing? What did Jesus in this Bible say to everybody he talked to? What the two words? Somebody got it. Follow me. He walked to the people. He said, follow me. And then what he do? He started walking. First person he ever called, Mark chapter one, verse 17, a redneck commercial fisherman. He's got his boat to the shore. He's getting his nets out. And Jesus walks up to him and he said, uh, follow me. And Jesus started walking. And Simon, uh, where are we going? Who's going to take care of my family? Who's going to feed him? What do I do with his boat? Who are you? <laughs> and he had to make a decision without the information. Are you with me? He had to take a step of faith. And he, had, he spent his entire life following that man by faith, not knowing where he was going, not knowing what was coming next, having no idea what in the world was going on. That's called living by faith. That's not having faith. That's when you live by faith. Abraham is the great man of the Bible known as the father of the faith. Listen to what the Bible said. And God said to him, leave your family, leave your homeland, come with me, I'm gonna build a new nation. And Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. How many of you have to know where you're going? You cannot walk by faith and know where you're going. And, and the, 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 Jesus never changes. When Jesus says, come to me, you've got to make a decision. Not American Christianity. Again, if you're going to really follow Jesus, you've got to make a decision not knowing where we're going or not knowing what the answer is. Without the answers, you've got to decide. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, right below that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things What? Not seen. I have no idea where I'm going next. I don't know what he's going to do, but I've decided to follow this man. If you have to see, you can't walk with him because faith is the evidence of things not seen or you hadn't seen yet, as the Bible says. Now you say, well, why would I? That makes me nervous, preacher. I, I, you done pulled me out of my comfort zone. Faith never comes near your comfort zone. You know what the comfort zone is? You ever heard of a comfort zone? How many of you have one? Raise your hand if you have a comfort zone. You know what a comfort zone is? Where people go to die. You know what a comfort zone is? You know where Jesus is? He's right on the other side of your comfort zone. 
No, not the American Christian, not the American church, Jesus. We made him look like us, but the Jesus of that Bible right there, he's waiting for you right on the other side of your comfort zone saying, come on out here, big boy. Or not if you're a girl, come on out here, sweetheart. What do you tell Simon? Don't you get out of that boat, you'll go straight to the bottom. What do you tell Simon? Walk on that water, boy. What if he'd stopped and thought about it? You got to go out not knowing where you're going. Faith is always calling you out of the boat. Faith will scare you spitless. You say, well, why would I choose to do that, Brother Brian? Because you're boring. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because you're bored. Christianity is the boringest thing in the world in America. Let me tell you why you should choose to walk by faith. Faith is what brings adventure into life. Faith is what brings hope back into your life. Faith is what brings the blessing and the miracles of God into your life. Faith is what brings peace into your life. Uh, Faith is what brings joy into your life. Apart from faith, it ain't going to happen. All right, let me see if you know this. I've got to cover the ground. This is basics 101. Most of American Christianity says this. You need to be good and you need to become religious. You need to read your Bible. You need to go to church. And if you'll do that, God will help you and be good to you. He doesn't bless goodness going to church or human religion. Tell me the one thing he blesses. All right, we're in the book of Hebrews. Uh, How did these common, messed up, not so great people do such great things in the Bible. How did a convict at 80 years old start an entire new nation? How did David kill a giant, raise up a nation and become the greatest king that ever lived? How did Gideon whoop 150,000 warriors with 300 men? How did these people do this? Obviously, you know it wasn't them. How did they do this stuff? See if you can pick up something with me in Hebrews 11. Read with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham. Verse 11. By faith, Sarah received strength to to bear a child at 90. Get out of here. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham. Verse 20. By faith, Isaac. Verse 22, 21. By faith, Jacob. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph. Verse 24, by faith, Moses. And it goes right on. This is God's hall of fame, by the way. Hebrews 11 is God's hall of fame. Football is in Canton, Ohio. God's is in Hebrews 11. But how did every one of these people do this crazy stuff? How'd they do it? Was it because they were good people? David was an adulterer and a murderer. No, they weren't good. It wasn't because they were good people. Was it because they were religious? Simon was a redneck fisherman, stab you. How did they do it? These people learned something that we got to learn. They didn't just have faith. They began to walk by faith. They began to shape their lives by faith. And it made all the entire difference in their, in their life. All right, let's, let me, quick testimony. Right, I'm an evil man. I'm a sinner and a heathen and yada, yada. You've heard my story. And in a moment, God came and found me. I was saved in a moment. One of them dramatic turnaround conversion, spirit of God came on me. I was just turned around and I knew something had happened. All right, so what do I do now? You can't keep doing what I was doing. You can't just clean up a little bit. Everything I was doing was wrong. I was addicted to everything except cheeseburgers. I was lean before I met Jesus. So what do I do now? All right, I said to the man who helped me to pray, I said, what do I do? He said, well, you go to church and become a Christian. I said, I, 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 I just knew I'd met Jesus. I didn't know how to do this church stuff. I said, where do I go to church? He said, come to my church. So I went to his church the next Sunday. It's a Baptist church. I didn't know how to act in there. You know, y'all know how to act. That people are saying, amen. I'm going, yeah. Rock and roll. I didn't know this stuff. It was new to me. 
right, they were, I just, I wanted to follow Jesus. They were supposed to take me and make a disciple out of me. They didn't do it. They made a Baptist out of me. I'm not being unkind. I'm not being ugly. It's just what they did. They taught me the Baptist program, how to go through the motions. They taught me how to, I had to read the Bible verses they told me to read. I had to do the church stuff they told me to do. They didn't teach me how to pray. They didn't teach me how to believe God. They didn't teach me anything about faith. And for long, I'm a Baptist preacher and I'm as bored as everybody else is. I can remember one that Baptist preacher and they're saying, you know, some conference, they said, you've got to get people to come to your church. And I thought, why? Why would I make them come to this? I'm being honest. So after a few years of that, <clears throat> all of a sudden I meet a man. And he says, you're missing it, son. So I'm going to miss it. He said, you don't live by faith. You're not a man of faith. I said, I got faith. He said, the devil's got faith, son. I've had people say all the time, well, brother mine, I believe in God. James chapter three, you say you believe in God, congratulations, the devil does too. That's devil level faith. He said, you don't walk by faith, son. That's why you're so empty. I said, teach me. He said, all right, I'll teach you. And I began to learn to walk by faith and life changed. Of course, obviously I'm not a Baptist anymore. It's one of the things that changed. I'm not knocking Baptists, bless off. They led me to Jesus. I love them. My retirement is still with the Baptist fund. I can't be too ugly about them. But the point is, I knew in my heart, there's got to be more to this than quit cussing, quit smoking, and try to endure a service where some fat guy hollers at you all day. And they sing like Ghost and Mr. Chicken. There's got to be more to it than this. I knew there was more. Well, you know what it is? It is faith. And faith is the difference that makes all the difference in the world. All right, if you were to, you ever been around somebody, you got to know them and you found out, you found out what their thing was? You know what I mean by their thing? All right, if you hung around me, you'd find out my thing is family. Maybe fishing. If I hang around certain people, I find out their thing is NASCAR racing or ballet or whatever, gardening. Everybody's got a thing. If you were to hang around God for a while, what would you come away thinking? I know what his thing is. Tell me God's thing. It's faith. It's not behaving, it's faith. Read with me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. Tell me what he's looking for. Read that verse, tell me what he's looking for. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because he who comes to God has to believe, number one, he's there. Number two, he rewards those who seek him, which is called faith. Tell me what his thing is. His thing is faith. He's always looking for faith. Now question, why is he looking for faith? He wants my money. He don't need your money. He owns, he owns the flipping universe, dude. He don't need your $60. Why is he wanting me to come to him in faith? Read it. He is a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who come to him by faith. He's looking for faith because he wants to do something for you. He rewards faith. Those who believe he's there and those who believe he'll do something, he rewards those people. Listen, he has no impure motive. He's not trying to make, if you cuss, it don't bother him. He's listening to the praise of angels. The only reason he pursues you is so he can be good to you. Our family's going through, our children are going through the process of adoption. Why? Cost you thousands of dollars? Stink your house up? Mess your schedule up. You can't go nowhere without a truck. All that junk you got to haul when you got a baby. What, what's in it for them? I mean, what do you get out of a baby coming into your house? You get a chance to love somebody and give them your life and be good to them. That is the heart of God. 
He's a father. He's pursuing you so he can be good. He don't need to take anything. They're not trying to mess your life up. He gave you your life, doc. Amen. And by faith, he wants to make it great. He's come that you might have abundant life, but you don't get abundant life by being a Christian. Amen. The abundance comes in faith. And it's faith that releases the blessing of heaven and brings it into your life. All right, one major change. The change American Christianity says the change, that when you become a Christian, what, what's the change? Stop being bad, start being good. Yeah or nay? That's what they say. That's not what Jesus said. When you come to Jesus, it's not bad to good. It's logic to faith. You got to change from logic to faith. You got to change the way you see things. You got to change the way you think about things. All right, the Bible talks about a natural man. You know what a natural man is? That's a man that's not a faith man. You can be a Christian or you cannot be a Christian, but you're called a natural man in the Bible. And let me tell you how natural people live. They lean on their own understanding. They live out of their minds. They do what they think smart. They're doing the best they can, but they live out of their own thinking. I think this would be a good person to marry. Gotcha. How many times did that backfire? I think this would be a good way to make a living. Doesn't work out sometimes. Sometimes it does. But we live out of our minds. A natural thinking man just does the best he can out of his own thinking. You understand that? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4, see if that's not what he says. All right, in Ephesians 4, he's talking about the natural man or a lost man or a believer that didn't walk by faith. Watch what he says. <clears throat> I want you to read one verse here with me and I want you to get it. Let's get it here. We've got to learn. This is, this is faith 101 today. Verse 17, Ephesians 4, 17. This I say to you, therefore, and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk. What's the word walk mean? So not talking about taking the dog out. What does it mean? Live. Anytime you see the word walk in the Bible, it means how you live. You should no longer live as the rest of the Gentiles or pagans live in the what? The futility of their mind. How do people live? I think this is what I ought to do. I think this would be a good investment. I think this would be a good thing for us to do. I think this would be a good place to go to school. It makes sense to me. That's how people live. They live out of the futility. Why does it say futility? We're the most educated generation in world history in America right now. We think we're the smartest generation that ever lived. And how is that doing us? What is the futility of the mind? Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that looks good to a person but the end result is destruction. Amen. All right, so we live out of our minds. That's how Gentile, he said, what do you say? I don't want you living out of your mind anymore. That's how people live. You're going to stop living out of your mind. Your common sense, which is not common anymore. He said, well, Brother Brian, if I'm not going to live out of my mind, what am I going to live out of? Glad you asked it. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. All right, I heard one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. I'm going to use some ugly words today. Stupid, dumb, things like that. I heard one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life in church one time. I'll never forget it. I was just stunned that a man would say it, but he said it. And uh, let me tell you what he said. Are you ready? Got Isaiah 55. Now listen to what I heard in church one day. I've heard this several times in churches. I was shocked. Here's what he said. God gave you a mind and he expects you to use it couldn't believe he said it. I could tell by being around him, he'd used his. <laughs> Friend, God did not, number one, God didn't give you the mind you've got. Your culture gave you the way you think. That's why we have to be renewed in our minds 
and start thinking differently to have the good stuff. God didn't give you your mind. God gave you a book. And that book is contrary to the way you think sometimes. Does anybody want to take a wild guess? This is an easy one. I've asked so many trick questions. I'm sorry, this is an easy one. Do you think maybe you and God see things different? Okay, let's go a little easier. Do you think you might think different about things than he does? Isaiah 55, verse 8 says this. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. I want you to get this, dear ones. Quit making a God that looks like you and start following the God of this book. All right, listen to me. He doesn't think about things the way we do. Do you understand that? He doesn't think about marriage the way we think about marriage. He doesn't think about relationships the way we think about relationship. He doesn't think about anything the way we think about it. His ways are not our ways. Do you understand that? Let me give you an instance. Somebody does me wrong. I mean, they do me dirty wrong for no reason at all. What's my thinking and my way? Payback. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to do it in a Christian quiet way where nobody sees it. I'm going to get you. What's his way? Forgive them and forgive them and buy them a gift certificate, a gift card to a restaurant, send it to them, tell them how much you appreciate them. He didn't just say forgive. He didn't just say love your enemies. He said bless your enemies. What's this, what's this right here bowing up inside of me that don't want to do it? That's my way. That's my thinking. What's his way and his thinking? And, but what if I tell myself, stand down, and I tell my mind, back up, and I tell my emotions, shut up, and I say, tell me what to do. And I do what he says, and I walk by faith, which is to obey him. Guess what happens? The power of God comes down on me and them. That's just one example of learning to live by faith day to day, every moment. When you live by faith, great things start happening. If you keep leaning on your understanding, all you ever gonna have is the best you can do. And how's that doing you? If you keep living your ways, all you'll ever have is the best you can do. There's something better out there, something a whole, whole, whole lot better. All right, the problem is, that my thoughts and God's thoughts are conflicting. My way, they're in conflict. They're at war with each other. So I got to make a decision. I got to choose what I'm going to do. I want you to turn to the great passage on the war within. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter three. You talk about pinging us. Proverbs chapter three. Now dear ones, you can walk by faith or you can walk in human wisdom, but you will never do both because they're not even close to each other. Matter of fact, do you know what the Bible says about human wisdom and walking by faith? They laugh at each other. They laugh at each other. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians, you just just go to Proverbs. I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. The Bible said the things of the spirit are foolishness to the natural mind. God's ways will look stupid to your natural head. They look foolish to people who think naturally. But guess what the Bible also said in 1 Corinthians 1? God has made foolish the wisdom of this world. Yes. I mean, if you can't look today and wonder, where's all the smart now? Yeah. Political correct ain't done a thing except prove that stupidity is contagious. <laughs> yeah, these things war with each other. They laugh at each other. All right, I want you to look in a passage. Let me tell you something else dumb I heard in the church. I've heard this many times, usually from really intellectual preachers who put that intellectual look on you. It's never happened in here, has it? 
Thank you. Somebody needed to amen that. It's not possible in here. I've heard preachers say this. Well, God didn't expect you to check your mind at the door, which is arrogance for I can think with God. That's dangerous. Read with me in Proverbs chapter three, verse five. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, can anybody by the makeup of that verse see that you cannot do both? You can't trust God and do what you think smart. You can't do what you understand to be the right thing and trust him at the same time because they're going in opposite directions. Then you're going to do one of two things in every issue in life, every thought you think, every decision you make, you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to trust God at heart level or you're going to do what you think smart, but you're not going to do both. You can't do both. And what does the Bible say? Now, why, why is he telling me to trust him and not lean on my own understanding? Because I've seen where my understanding will take me. And I've seen where trusting him will take me. I want to get to the good place. This is his kindness and his mercy. All right. In all your ways, verse six, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. I want you to get some words with me. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Ain't no, you can't cut that but one way, mama. You just might look dumb a few times following him. But if you're one of them people, it's very important for you to look smart and impress people. You off the boat with him. Do not be wise in your own eyes. There's, quit doing what you think smart. Quit trying to impress people with how smart you are. Listen to me. Shh, they know. <laughs> Do not be wise in your own eyes. Watch this. Honor the Lord, fear the Lord, depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Can you see two roads. One is trust God, even if it looks stupid to you and everybody else. The other is do what you think smart and see where that takes you. This one's called logic. This one's called faith. And to walk by faith means to follow him completely, no matter what you think. How many times have I been going to do something and I thought, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. That's the thought I have. And then I say to my mind, stand down. Thus saith the Lord. And you got to make a decision. Listen, this is a moment by moment, everyday lifestyle decision that you have to, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you one example. Uh, what's one of the things that people really wish they had today? What do people really want today that we're not getting, we've lost it in this nation. Christians don't have it much. What's the one thing everybody longs for at heart level? Peace. Peace. I meet more people that they say, I can't sleep. I'm upset. I'm worried about the future. I'm worried about my kids. What's going to happen in my nation? I'm concerned about my children. That is an absence of peace. You say, brother, mine just makes, did you say it made sense? Dear ones, peace is the greatest need of your life outside of being saved. And what peace is, a place where there is no fear and no worry. Peace is, peace is when fear can't get to you. You fear nothing. You don't fear the future. You don't fear what people think. You don't fear making a mistake or failing. You just don't fear nothing. Now I'm not talking about Clint Eastwood not fear. I'm talking about God, not fear. And a place of anxiety, you don't worry about nothing. Do you know how valuable that'd be to be there? Why do, people, why do so many people take medicine to find peace? Why are we drinking so heavy in this nation? Now, I'm not against drinking. It's just, I get the testimonies of the fellows from Duncan Camp, these drug addicts that get reformed. Every single one of them said, I lost my family, I lost my money, I lost my dignity because I would eat anything that would help me find some peace. I was just looking for peace. There was a whole world looking for peace. 
Well, let me tell you where peace is. There is a peace, but look right here. It's going to cost you something. You don't get peace because you're a Christian. You can have peace if you're a believer, but it's going to cost you something beyond that. Turn with me to John chapter 14. I'm addicted to peace. I think it's the most wonderful thing in the world. You scream and holler and worry, I'm going to bed. Besides, let me tell you what I've, I'm an old man. I'll be 65 for long. I, <laughs> you don't look it, do I? <laughs> Good gosh, some of these kids will probably look like Father Time. But the deal is in, in peace, there's nothing worth losing it over. All right, John chapter 14. I want you to read some words with me. These are the words of Jesus, something he gave you. He gave every believer the possibility. The verse 27. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you. He's fixing to leave. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart ever be troubled or ever be afraid. What do he say? I'm not talking about the peace the world gives. That's the peace if everybody behave. I'll be, if mama act like she got some sense, we can have peace in the house. That's worldly peace. If I could get a new job where they're not as rough on me, that's worldly peace. He said, I'm going to give you peace that's better than what this world's peace is. And then what do you, what's the two things he told you to do? Don't you ever be afraid and don't you ever be worried. It's the peace that Jesus had on him. There's a personality in this peace. He's given that to you. You say, well, Brother Ryan, how come I don't experience it? I'm fixing to answer that question. Matter of fact, while you're there, look across the page at John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation celebrate. I crushed the world at the cross. What's the two things he promised you in that verse? Trouble and peace. They said, Brother Brown, how can, how can you have both together? This what the man say. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But in me, you're going to enjoy peace. You can sit right in the middle of a firestorm and go to sleep. That's the peace Jesus promised. That's the peace he showed when he walked in this earth. You ever see Jesus ruffled one time in his life? He gave you his peace. You say, well, how come I don't have it? Because you're not willing to give up what he asked you to give up to get it. You're holding on to something that's keeping you from enjoying his peace. I want to show you what it is. Turn with me to Philippians chapter four, where it talks about what it's going to cost me to have peace. And this is just one aspect of living by faith. May I ask you according to why we're turning, may I ask you according to Luke chapter 11, which of you has ever added one day to his life by worrying? Jesus said, why do you worry? You can't add one day to your life by worrying. Which of you has ever fed a child by worrying? Which of you has ever changed a thing by worrying? We need to get out of worry. I said, Brother Brian, you can't help but worry today. No, you can't help but worry. I'm not going to. I'm going to enjoy the peace of God. But there's going to cost you something. Philippians chapter four. Dear ones, if we're called believers, what's the number one thing we ought to do? When are we going to start believing? When are we going to start believing what God says and laying hold of what he's promised? Do you understand that you get the promises by believing the man? Not by being better, not by trying, just believe what he says. All right, Philippians chapter four, verse six says this. Be anxious for nothing. The word anxious means worried, upset, bothered. Are you telling me God's lying? If he writes in his book, be worried for nothing, can we all at least agree possibility. Got to be true because the man tells the truth. Be worried for nothing, but in everything, guess what the Greek word for everything means? Bingo. 
everything, family problems, marital problems, job problems, crap inside of you problems, crap outside of you problems, your mother-in-law, everything. In everything, read this with me, Philippians chapter four, verse six. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, take your requests to the living God. First Peter 5, 7 says this, take every care you have, cast it on him and give it to him. Watch, verse, watch the next verse. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Worry, fear, anxiety won't be able to get near you. As a sentry, it will guard you. All right, but there's a cross in there. And I know very few people in America today that are willing to pay the price to enjoy peace. Look in verse eight, tell me what the price is. Excuse me, verse seven. Tell me what the price is, verse seven. It is the peace that passes what? Understanding, look right here. As long as you insist on the right to understand what's going on, you'll never enjoy peace. Until you're willing to give up understanding, you'll never have, well, why do you think they're doing what they're doing? You will never have peace. Until you say, I don't care what they're doing. As long as, why is this not working out? You will never enjoy peace, enjoy your worry. Until you can say, I don't care. I've given it to him. Well, maybe we could talk about it. I ain't talking about nothing. Until you don't have to understand anymore, you'll never enjoy it. But if you never reach that place where you pass understanding, you say, you don't explain nothing to me. You don't have to tell me what's going on. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to sleep. Then when, you know what that's called? Faith. I've taken every problem in my life, my church, my life, my physical, I've, I've just given it to the Lord. Why would I worry about it? He said, don't you? No, I don't. This is called, by the way, this is fun. This is fun right here. You don't need counseling when you have faith. You don't need Jack Daniels when you got faith. Or Jim or any of those guys that make you feel better about yourself. You don't need to sit down and look worried. You don't need to wake up in the morning and fellowship with your problems over a cup of coffee when you got faith. They ain't your problems no more. You said, sounds like irresponsibility to me. Sounds like a pretty good freaking life to me. What do you think? I shouldn't have said freaking in church. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who is your God? What can he do? We got to get back to it, dear ones. We got to start trusting him. All right, I want to show you one man, show you an example. There's a man in the Bible. And if ever a man had a reason to worry, I don't know any man in the Bible had more problems than this man. I want you to look at how he lived. Turn with me to Psalm 131. By the way, this is not just a story in the Bible. This is God teaching you. He's got a message for you right here. I love, this is called the go to sleep Psalm. If I'm ever, if you're ever troubled about anything, read this Psalm and go to bed. It's exactly what it is. This, you don't have to pay for the medication. I'm not against medication. If you need it as a bridge to get somewhere, that's fine. But not six, seven, eight years. All right, this is King David. You can see in the inscription, the Song of David. All right, let me ask you a question. He is now the King of Israel. Do you think he had anything to worry about? He has got the weight of a nation on his shoulders. And his nation's in trouble. It was the most powerful nation in the world, the wealthiest nation in the world, but he's managing millions of people. Not only that, every kingdom around him was coming after him because their kings wanted his wealth. And they wanted to be the king that whooped David. He's got wars on both sides of the nation. Do you know the weight of war on a leader? I remember George Bush Jr. 
watching him after he was president, he told, he said, nobody knows what it's like to have to make a decision to send young men off to war, knowing that you're going to kill somebody's child. Nobody knows what it's like to bear that kind of weight. But this weight was on David. Uh, Not only that, his own son had turned against him and his son was going around the country trying to turn the country against him and take his throne away from him. Tell him things like, if I was the king, your taxes would be lower. If I was the king, I'd give you more free money. Sort of reminds you of America. His own son's trying to kill him. His stepson had just raped his daughter. I think the worst part, you heard the worst part yet. His wife was a flaming lunatic. He married a woman named Michael. You, a man marries somebody named Mike, you ask him for trouble. <laughs> Does anybody remember Cruella DeVille in the movie 101 Dalmatians? That was his wife. She railed at him, screamed at him. She was a snotty, uppity socialite who all she cared about was impressing other people and all he cared about was pleasing God and they were at war with each other. Well, he didn't war with her. He just turned and walked away from her. She screamed at him and hollered day and night. This man had more problems than Carter's got liver pills. Watch what the Bible says. Psalm 131. My heart is not haughty nor my eyes cocky. You know what he said? Y'all ever seen that look right there? Brother Brian, what what do you think? That's that haughty, cocky, I got it all figured out. Look, he said, I'm not like that. I'm not trying to figure anything out. Let's read a little bit further here. My eyes are not cocky, cocky. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, things that are too profound for me. There it is. You know what he said about the problems in his life? This stuff's over my head. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not going to bother myself with stuff that the profound means difficult. He said, this stuff's over my head. Then there are some things that you will never figure out. The quicker you figure that out, the better off you'll be. There's an old song years ago. I know we don't do many of these old songs. We need to get back to it. But there's an old song that went like this. We will understand it better by and by. What is it with us that we just cannot let it go? We just have to know. And you're having to know is what's got you in a wad. I'm having to know some things you're not going to understand. All right, fella, come see me when I'm a country preacher. Fella came to see me. He was a farmer. You know who farmers are. You know how farmers are. I love farmers. And it's farm country. And he came to me. So I need to talk to you. Went out on the front porch, sat down. I said, what is it, Doc? He said, preacher, you understand women. I said, no. Now, I've been to school. I've got a degree in religion. I could have said, well, yes, yes, try this, try that. You know what the answer is? No. I said, I do not understand them, Brent. I said, Brent, women don't understand women. Much less a man. Now, did that offend y'all? No. A woman starts crying. She said, well, what's wrong, baby? I don't know. See, they don't know. <laughs> women, only God understands women. And the quicker you quit trying to figure it out and go get you a Bud Light and take a nap, the better off you'll be. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. There's some things you're not going to figure out. You know what King David said? This stuff's over my head. I'm not going to try to figure life out. Watch this. Verse three. I, not Jesus, I did this. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul inside of me. Oh, Israel, trust God. Put your faith in God. Hope in the Lord. You know what he said? I, uh, you, you saw this. You've seen this before. When my children were little babies, 
I'd come in the house. They're grown now. Come in the house. Mom would be in the rocking chair. It'd be real quiet. And one of them babies would be laying on her chest and they'd be dead asleep. And she'd be rocking real easy with them. I knew not to make noise. And she'd be rocking with them. And their little beaks would be open. <laughs> Did that child look upset to you? You know what David said? That's me right there. That's me on the inside. I'm like a baby that's asleep on his mama's chest. All these problems, all these stuff going around me, I have quieted my soul like a baby sleeping on his mama's chest. You know what he said? I've taken all my problems, handed them to God. They're too much for me. And I have laid my head on the chest of God and I'm going to sleep. It's all he is. When you give up trying to understand it, you don't have to understand anymore. You can enjoy the peace that passes understanding. You know what I decided years ago? I can figure it out or I can enjoy peace. Which one of these do I want more? Understanding is logical. Faith says he can have it. I'm going to bed or fishing or wherever. The difference is a price tag to faith and, and it's a choice. May take time to swap over, but you can do it. Let me show you the key verse on faith. Now, now people have said this before and they didn't, they're mistaking that they were wrong. They meant well, but listen to what they've said. Brother Brown, I'm trying to have faith. You can't try to have faith. Well, you think you're going to work it up? Mind if I watch? You don't try to have faith. It don't come from in here. Faith comes from out here in. Read it with me. One, the key verse on faith, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Please memorize this verse. All faith comes from one place. And if you're going to get it, it can only come from one place. You can't make it happen. You can't work it up. You can't. So I'm trying to have faith. It's not going to work. You can't try to have it. You either do or you don't. I want you to read with me where faith comes from. All faith. All faith comes from one place. Romans chapter 10. Tell me what verse 17 says. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're going to have faith, it's got to come out of this word. And dear ones, you cannot have faith unless you hear the word of God or the voice of God. Do you understand what the Bible is saying here? You, can't, you don't have to try to work it. You know what you're trying to do when you say, I'm trying to have faith? Look right here. You're trying to get a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not felt or seen. I don't have to feel anything to believe. If his word says it, I don't care. Sometimes I do feel it. Sometimes I don't. Big rip. I'm not in this for a feeling. I'm in this for a faith. Somebody should write a song that goes like this. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. He's always working. I say, Brother Brian, I don't see it. And I didn't know he had to have your permission to say, by the way, over here, doc. Faith believes what God's word says, regardless. That's where it always comes from, from his perspective. All right. Let me, let me wrap up here. Uh, I had a lot of ground to cover in the next three or four weeks. Jesus wants faith out of you more than anything else so he can be good to you. See if you've ever heard this before. See if you've ever heard this before. He will offend your head to test your heart, to see if you will trust him and believe him and obey him so he can be very good to you. If I'm not going to be offended, then he ain't doing nothing for you. If I can't understand it, get off the boat, Moose. Listen, tell your head to bow down to your heart. Tell your head to bow down to God's word. All right, I want to show you one more thing to see if this has ever happened to you. Turn with me to Mark chapter four. All right, Mark chapter four. If 
You're going to like this. You're going to like this right here. I know you're going to like it because I like it. <laughs> How many of you believe God's working in your life? Yes. I, don't need, but him, I don't need him to say it, but one time. If he'll tell me one time he's working in my life, I don't care whether I feel it, see it. I don't care what happens. I believe what he says. Philippians 2.13, God is working in you to will, give you the desires and work to bring to pass the power, his good pleasure. God's working in my life. Well, your life must be wonderful. Why would you think that? No, no, you have mistaken him with welcome wagon. God's always working in your life. Well, what's he working toward? He's working in your life to bring faith into your life. He's working in your life to build faith. He wants faith more than anything else so he can be good to you. He is always working to grow your faith. Guess how faith grows? Get your margarita, lay by the pool, put on some Christian worship music. Faith, just go to sleep. Faith will just grow. You've got to be kidding me. That's as stupid as them pills they advertise on the Hallmark Channel. You just eat it, sit on the couch, fat fall right off on the floor. <laughs> Ain't but one way to get fat off you. You've got to get up and get moving. You know how to get fat off of you? Sweat. There ain't no easy answer to anything in this game. <laughs> He's always working in your life to bring you to greater faith so he can be, bring you to greater things. Guess what he does? Guess what he does to bring you to faith? <laughs> Guess what he does? Since this book right here, this book says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces great faith. Guess what he's doing? All right, Mark chapter four, see if this has ever happened to you. Verse 35, on the same day evening came, Jesus said to his followers, disciples, let us cross over to the other side, for he's right there. They're on one side of the lake of Gennesaret. And Jesus said to them, let's get in the boat and we're gonna go to the other side of this lake. Can you see that? What are they thinking? Praise God. Beautiful day, warm, slight breeze. We're gonna get to spend quality time with Jesus. We're gonna have the best time. He don't ever tell you this stuff. That's why he said, follow me. And he starts walking. All right, watch what happened. Took the other boats, verse 37. But a great storm arose and the waves were beating in the boat. So it was already filling. Let's boat. How many of you think Jesus forgot to check his phone before he got in the boat? How many of you think he did not check the weather before he got in that boat? How many of you think he knew that storm was coming? Bingo. He knew that storm was coming. He just didn't tell them. All right, watch what happens. Verse 38, he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. Has he ever done that to you? <laughs> Biggest mess of your life and seems like God's asleep. All right, he's in the stern asleep on a pillow and they woke him and said, teacher, do you not care? We are dying. What do people always do? Christian people that get in a storm. What do people do that don't walk by faith? What do they always do? God don't care about me and we're not going to make it. What do the storms do to us if we don't walk by faith? God don't care about me. You don't care about me. You're asleep in the week. You're not even paying attention to me and I'm going to die. We're not going to make it. That's what, by the way, was that logical? I mean, seasoned sailors, storm, made perfect sense that they was going to die. God's word trumps logic every single time. All right, watch what happens. So they wake him up. Verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea. Can I just pause right here? Why do you read over that so quick? Doesn't that embarrass you? God is talking to weather. Well, you'd think I was fruitcake if I did it. And he said, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm and the sea became like glass. Everybody in this room, listen to me. He speak one word, your problems would come to an end. 
He'd speak one word. This nation would hit its face and all the problems would be gone. Say, how come he don't do it? Look here, dear ones, because his goal is not your goal. Your goal ain't his goal. His ways are above your ways. You know what your goal in life is? Comfort. Ease. Margarita's about a poo. You know what his goal is in your life? A great faith that changes the world. See, you after comfort, he's after faith. Guess who's going to win? You ain't changing his mind. You got to change yours. He is after great faith in your life. He'll set you up like this. All right, they failed this test. Now, everybody thinks Jesus is so nice. Watch this. Watch what he said. Uh, he rebuked the wind. Verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? If I said that, you'd fly into a cussing fit on me. Everything's falling apart. Preachers might as well say, what's wrong with you? You wouldn't appreciate that. But watch what he said. Why are you so fearful? <clears throat> How is it you have no faith? Now, what would the average American preacher have done? Oh, I'm so sorry. Come here. We'll, I'll, I'll, group hug, group hug. Let me comfort you. It'll be all right. Let's go get a latte. We'll talk about it. Dear Lord, dear Lord, bring peace into their lives. Jesus just said, what's wrong with y'all? You ain't got a lick of faith. I like the one in the Bible more than I like the one in the beard in America. I love this guy in the Bible. Can't you see what he's saying? Boys, this was a setup and you failed. You say, well, wouldn't you have been scared? Listen to me. Go way back with me. What did that man say before they got in that boat? He said, we are going to go to the other side of this lake. All they had to do in that, where's faith come from? Hearing. Hearing what God says. All they had to do was in the middle of that storm, one of them could have said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't he say we were going to the other side? Yeah, he did, didn't he? Let's quit hollering, lay down there and sleep with him. That's all they had to do was just believe what God said. Believing what God said would have taken all the fear out of that thing. It would have taken it. Listen, you need to know what God says about everything in your life. And you need to believe what he says. And then you need to go to bed and you need to rest. I, I love this kind of stuff. This is just, in case you don't, didn't notice the first verse of the next chapter says this, and they came to the other side. What did God say was going to happen? What this man says is going to happen is going to happen. You need to start believing it. All right, now let me tell you the difference between those who live by faith and those Christians who don't. I live by faith and I love it. All right, say so me and you were both Christians and I live by faith and you, you choose to live by your logic. It's like we're both going to the same place, but I'm riding in first class enjoying it. You hanging on to the wing out there getting beat to death. We're going to get to the same place. But I'm enjoying the ride a whole lot more. Hey, hey, won't you come inside and ride with me? Why don't you decide I will live, the just will live by faith. I'm going to start living by faith. I'm going to do this. Well, I got to, I got to quit. Ah, golly. Let me just, through the next weeks, here's what we're going to see. What would happen in your life if you chose to flex your faith and start believing God? What are the three things every person is looking for on this planet? Everybody wants the three things. Your heart was made to want three things. True love, joy, and peace. That's what everybody's looking for. That's what he's got. I like this guy named Elon Musk. Y'all know who Elon Musk is? He bought Tudor this past week. I actually bought a week before last. He bought Tudor for 42, 40 $44 billion. I can't even think that high. And uh, Elon got a lot of money. I think, he's, I think he's the greatest thinker on the planet today. For, very forward thinker. I didn't like it the other day when he said, old people need to get out of the way. So he didn't say everything right. 
But uh, I'm fascinated by this guy. I think he's one of the greatest thinkers ever. Loaded. Can you, do you know how many millions he would have to spend every day for the rest of his life just to get rid of it? Everybody longs for that kind of money, that kind of power. I mean, he just says something, stocks go up 20%. I, I read an interview with him and they asked him this question. Are you happy? He said, not really. I'm not a very happy man, truth be told. And they asked him, what about your relationships? He said, I'm a very lonely man. You know, he's got this girlfriend. They'll be on for a few weeks, off for a few months. On for... He said, I've never really had anybody to love me and have a good relationship with. Here's the world's richest man. He's not happy. He's lonely. He's brilliant. Let me make an announcement. I'll take what's in this heart over Elon's money any day of the week. Your heart was not designed to be content with green. It was designed to be content with love, joy, and peace. And those three things are the only thing the living Jesus can give people. And a life that learned, when you learn to live by faith, those three things will be in your life. And you can enjoy your life. You can have peace. You can have the joy that only Jesus can bring. Don't get mixed up in religion. They'll suck the joy right out of you. Not me, I know better. Trying to help you know better. And you'll find, listen to me, you'll find the love your heart's looking for. There was a woman one day, she was the town slut. It's the only way I know to call it. She'd slept with everybody in town. She'd been married five times, shacked up to a guy. She slept with everybody in town. And she, that's why she had to come to the well during the heat of the day. She couldn't come when the other women were there. It'd be a cat fight because she's sleeping with her husbands. And she was so broken and so empty. I feel nothing but sympathy for her. That poor girl was looking for love in all their own places. What do you think the average preacher would say to her if he walked up to her? Do you know what you're doing to your mama? You ought to be ashamed. You know what Jesus said when he walked up to her? He smiled. You know what God said to her? You're never going to find what you're looking for living like this. Come with me. You'll find what your heart's looking for. What do you think he meant when he said, you keep drinking this water, you're going to thirst again? Come with me. You'll never thirst again. He wasn't talking about stuff in the well. He was talking about the Spirit of God. And he said, if you, he said you're never going to find what you're looking for like you're living. He wasn't ugly to her. And there was, you got a right to live any way you want to. He gave you a free will. But if you're going to find what your heart's looking for, you better follow this man by faith. And you better lay it all down at his feet and say, I don't understand it. This don't make sense. You're scaring the bejeebies out of me. You don't know what the bejeebies are? I don't either. I'm telling you, he scares me spitless when I walk by faith. But I have never had more fun in my life. Amen. I mean, it's like you're fixing to pee in your britches, all of a sudden something great happens. Right. <laughs> I don't know the way to say it. Can I tell you one more real quick? I'm talking with a little fellow this week, and he was talking, we were talking about walking by faith. He said, let me tell you what happened. He said, this fellow, I just got saved. He said, I'm going to teach you how to be a Christian. I thought, I thought we were going to get a book and study. Nada. He takes me to the, uh, what's the mall in Greensboro? Four Seasons Mall. We go in the food court. Walk in there. He said, this is where we're going to study. He said, we're not here to study. I'm here to teach you about Jesus. He said, you see them two black men sitting right over there? Walk over there and ask them if you can tell them about Jesus. He said, what? He said, do you know Jesus? He said, well, yeah, yeah. Well, walk over and ask them if they know him. And you tell them how you found him. Huh. Comfort zone. God don't know nothing about no comfort zone. Baptist preachers do and preachers do and church people do. God wants to jerk you out of that comfort zone. So you, listen, you dying in that comfort zone. 
ain't you seen enough reruns of Gunsmoke? Get out of that thing. He said, I walked over there. He said, I, my knees are knocking. I'm, I'm about to pee in my britches. He said, I walked for and I asked him, guys, do y'all know Jesus? One said, huh? He said, can I tell you about Jesus? He did, and one of them said, stop right there, boy. He said, hang on. There were two basketball coaches in there with a high school basketball team. They'd stop there to eat and they turned the boys loose around the mall while they were eating. He said, stop right there, boy. And he called one of the players and said, come here. He said, round up every one of our players. Our team needs to hear what this boy's got to say. You talk about scared now. <laughs> so he waited. They rounded up 25 black basketball players. This little white boy, a big white boy. Set them down together in the food court. Coach said, go ahead, boy. <laughs> he, said, he said, I didn't know if they could hear my knees knocking. I was cotton mouth. He said, I've never had more fun in my life. Amen. He said, faith will get you into stuff that will scare you to death, but you'll have the time of your life. Amen. Fellow mentioned this week, he said, you need to do some staff development with your staff. Hogwash. You know what staff development is with me? Get on the bus. Let's go to Alamance Cross and walk around two by two and talk to people about Jesus. That's staff development right there. there <laughs> Where'd we get this mile? I got to get, I got to quit. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Bible officially closed. He's getting done. You can count down. You can go to heaven. But if you'll learn to live by faith, you'll be blessed above other people and you will have a blast on the journey. Trusting Jesus will get you into heaven. Living by faith will get heaven into you down here. That was good. I'm going to write that down somewhere. I'm going to decapage that. That's good right there. I got to quit. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. He who hung the stars in space, painted the Blue Ridge, the sunset, the cardinal, the rose. How could somebody that could do all that stuff make a boring religious life? I ain't buying it. There's got to be more than just quit smoking, quit cussing, go to church. I thank you and praise you. We have no idea the adventure. If we would do what Simon did, and when you say, come with me, we'd just start walking without having to figure it out. Abraham, go out not knowing where we're going. You, you've planned the most wonderful, exciting, fruitful life if we just let it fly. I want to declare over this church right here, these are men and women of great faith. I declare it. They are men and women of great faith. And they live by faith. And they walk by faith. They don't just have it. They live by it. And they see adventure that faith brings. I trust you. I give you all the praise and glory for your goodness, your mercy, and your kindness. Right, Lord Jesus, these next few weeks, do something wonderful. Do something big. Do something. We need something big in our churches today, Jesus. We, we need more than the, the ability to stay awake. I've got to be more to it than that. Do something big with your word these coming days. I trust you for that. In the precious, wonderful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.